Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio show and I've got a really exciting and special show today because I have a show here with Catherine Woodward-Thomas who is just an amazing woman. It's such a joy to have her on the show and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, author of New York Times bestseller, Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After, and the national bestseller, Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life. Catherine is the lead trainer of the Calling in the One training program, and she's had over 20 years experience in the creation of life-changing, highly evolutionary programs, seminars, and movements that have generated countless personal growth and love success stories worldwide. Now, Catherine is a world expert standout favorite person for me because of her focus on personal empowerment, 100% radical personal responsibility, and working on our inner selves in order to change our lives. And what I love, love, so love is that Catherine's philosophies and mine are completely aligned, which is predominantly about giving up the victimization model in order to adopt a thriver one. And today, Catherine and I are going to be talking about her incredible Calling in the One course, which is about the four keys to release your blocks, barriers, and baggage to love, and consciously calling in your soul partner. And I just want everyone in the community to know that this is actually the first time that I've got behind somebody else's material and work and course with the enthusiasm that I really have for calling in the one and there's a couple of reasons for that the first one is because it is perfect for this community for creating love after narcissistic abuse and also I personally have experienced the breakthrough of my wonderful love soulmate which was only ever going to happen if I completely rewrote my old love's internal programs and stories And calling in the one was a big part of this process for me. So Catherine, it has been a personal dream of mine to interview you for some time and welcome. Wow, thank you. What a lovely introduction. I'm so honored that this is the first time that you've really gotten behind someone like this. Thank you so much. Mm, It's just my, look, it's such a pleasure. It really is. Well, and I'm such a big fan of your work too, and I'm I'm behind you too. I'm so thrilled by what you're doing, and I'm so thrilled that you're helping so many people. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. It's um, it's just so lovely to you know connect with people that are really on mission and are really heartfelt. And I know you are, Catherine. That's what I love about your work. So, Catherine, let's. Start at the start, because when we do have a mission and a calling as you do, 
I believe that there's always a personal story that's behind it, that's created it. And I'd love you to share that with the listeners of what happened and how was the calling in the one processes born from within you? You know, Melanie, it's such an opportunity to speak with your audience because I feel uh, on a very deep level that I'm with my tribe. And I mean that in the sense that we have been through hell and back, and we Mm. do not come to love easily. We come through um, just a lot of um, complexity. And uh, for myself, I was raised in uh, a very unstable environment with a lot of drama, trauma, and certainly uh, a lot of narcissism. My mother was really, really super narcissistic. I mean, God bless her. She will actually say that now. And uh, she will look back and say it was a terrible grief in her heart that um, it's one of her deep regrets in life is that she was such a a self-involved mother. So good for her, and I completely forgive her now. But it did start me out on a journey, um, and uh, and and certainly was a journey of really toxic kind of relational dynamics that followed me well into adulthood. Um, and so I had no inkling in the first part of my life, the first half of my life, that I would ever teach people how to find happiness in love because. That was certainly not my experience, and I had a particular uh, draw towards people who were very self-involved and uh, very charismatic. And um, you know, I, 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 it just looked like a shiny quarter to me that I just wanted to um, wrap myself around. And there were all sorts of um, patterns that I had that were pretty love-addicted patterns with people, you know, who were very love-avoidant. So. Um, life was very painful for me in the area of romantic relationship. And even though, and I was also at the same time a deeply spiritual person. I had a spiritual awakening when I was just 14 years old. It started me on a path of uh, questing for truth. Um, I had many good friends along the way. I went into the 12-step program, so I started a deep path of personal growth. I did personal therapy. I did much of the things that many of the listeners are doing right now myself too. And um, and still, well into my 30s and early 40s, I had a pattern of attracting in unavailable men. Mm. And so here I was, and at some point I became a psychotherapist, and I was even helping people to have really happy love lives and, you know, work their issues out with people and get what their needs met in relationship. And I would come home every night to an empty apartment myself with my kitty cat Clover. And so I felt very uh, I felt very sad about that, and it felt unjust in some way, and yet I couldn't, um, I couldn't break through it. And I... It wasn't until I was in my early uh, 40s that I was with a group of people who were all friends of mine. We were taking a transformative course together, and people were setting intentions, mostly around their businesses or their income, or you know, there were financial things like I want to buy a home or I want to double my income or that kind of thing. But I had just had yet another uh, failed relationship because. You know, the man I was seeing was also seeing someone else and did not choose me but chose her. And um, 
and that was my bottom. And I declared to my friend, I made a bold intention that I was going to um, find my love and be in a committed, happy relationship, engaged to be married by my birthday, which was only eight months away. And I had no way of making that happen. I'd been trying to make that happen for years. So it was just like from the strength of my soul, just saying this is what shall be. My past will not determine my future in love. And I told a friend that this of, of this intention who was in the group, and thank goodness she didn't laugh at me. But instead what she said was something very poignant, Melanie. She said, I will hold that intention with you if you give me permission to hold you accountable for the woman that you would need to be in mm. order to realize that intention. Oh, I and love that, that was, part of the story. I love it. it isn't that beautiful? Mm. And so it it took my focus back to myself. So instead of running out to find love, I looked within to see if I could discover all the barriers that I had built against it that I was unconscious of and unaware of. Things that were... You know, because it would it was happening that same pattern of unavailability, different people, different circumstances, different situations, but always some triangulation or some addiction or something that would keep people at bay. And so it looked like it was happening to me, but I looked in that moment to discover how it might be happening through me. And that was really the beginning of the calling in the one process because I began to ask questions of myself. I began journaling every day. I began listening to my intuitive knowing. I would sit on my meditation cushion and just listen. I would ask the question, what would I need to release from my life? What would I need to give up in order to become available to be the woman that I would need to be on my birthday in order to be in a committed, happy union? And, um, boy, you know, if you ask that question, you will get answers. And I started to see things that had been so outside of conscious awareness. Now, I'd been a meditator for years. I had been attending spiritual communities and groups. I had been attending transformational seminars. I'd done all of it, the therapy, the journaling, the self-help. I was a therapist. Yes. I never saw things clearly until I became my how I was the source of my own experience until I asked that question. And so one by one when I would get an insight, I would see something like of just the silly obvious things like I finally I got up from my meditation seat one morning and I looked around and I noticed that all of the artwork on my walls were these beautiful noble women staring nobly off into space. <laughs> There was no couples, right? There was nothing that was community, right? So, of course, that that changed immediately. I took all the girls down. I put them in my closet and got new artwork. It was about happy, healthy love. And then, but it was more to the point, were these internal things. One of the things I saw that was so shocking um, was uh, I, I remembered a promise I had made when I was 18 years old. That was over 20 years before to a boyfriend that I was splitting up with at the time, and I was in such despair. We had been together all through high school. I loved him so much, and it just became clear that we had different 
directions we needed to go in. But I was in agony. And so in the same breath I was telling him I was breaking up with him, I also said to him, let's get together when we're in our 60s because we will have made all of our choices and then we can come together and then we can finally just be together. Now, he went and got married the next year to somebody else. Obviously, he didn't commit to that. (laughs) But I must have taken it to heart because when I looked and I asked this question, like, what's in the way? What are these internal barriers? I saw that this agreement had almost been like an intention that I had long forgotten but which was still influencing my life. So I, I, once I saw it, Melanie, I, whatever I saw, I would, I would release it. So I mm. went into meditation. I brought him in before me in meditation. I had a conversation with him, and I released him. So it was things like that, and I started to see things that I had never really seen before about my core beliefs about myself and my own beliefs about my worthiness to love and be loved or what, I, what was in it for me to stay single why I didn't want to actually take the risk of ever being hurt again like I was hurt when I was a child. All of these ways that I could be responsible for how love had shown up in my life. And also the patterns around narcissism and the the ways that I would assume that nobody was having been raised by a narcissist. I assumed that no one was really interested in my feelings or needs. So I had kind of trained myself to not ever express them which, guess what, trains other people to ignore your feelings and needs and be somewhat self-absorbed and narcissistic. Absolutely. Right? So all of these ways of Mm. relating, and I started to see them clearly, and one by one, as I saw them, I began to take the risk to show up differently and to do things differently. And lo and behold, within several weeks... I started thinking of this man. This man started to come into my thoughts who I hadn't seen in six years. I thought of him as the one that got away. And uh, and I went to a church service. I'd been going to this particular community for many years. I'd never seen this man there. And there he is across the parking lot. And guess what? I have a shy attack. I do not go say hello. I walk in the other direction. (laughs) Yeah, which is really normal. It would be really normal to do that. Oh, I was so shocked to see him. I'd been thinking of him, and I'd been wondering about calling him, and there he was, and I got shot. And I, anyway, by the time I gathered my courage and turned around, and of course, after all him, those years, you'd be thinking he might be with somebody, he might be married. Well, I just assumed he was because he was such a great guy. Yeah, right. So, so when I finally turned around, he had left. He was gone. So I said to myself that thing that I think we all say when we don't quite have the courage to do what we really want to do. <laughs> I said, I guess it wasn't mm-hmm. meant to be. And I went home. Now, this That's I'm telling you a story from like 15 years ago, 16 years ago, right? So 16 years ago, people were just getting online, but nobody had figured out how to download their pictures. It was a very, right. was a very primitive version of what we have now. So there was no identifying characteristics other than you lived in this city, you were this age, and you created some name for yourself, like two hearts beating as one, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, my girlfriend convinced me to get online. I did it. Even though I was a little weird about it, I thought I felt weird about it. But there were a quarter of a million people on this site that I went to, 
It was called oh. it called net net something. I it's not it doesn't exist anymore. But it with two hundred and fifty million people uh, fifty thousand people there. I read through a bunch of profiles. I responded to one person anonymously, and when he wrote me back the next day, it was him. <laughs> it was oh, the man I my. dated. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my. Like, how powerful is that? The subconscious aligning and creating out of realities. Oh, my gosh. And well, guiding you in. It shows you how powerful we are when we get out of our own ways and we get congruent. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, so right? much. And we really, alignment. We really alignment with that future. Mm, massive, massive. So, um, so uh, we we went out, and I knew very quickly that he was the man I was going to marry. And then we were engaged a few months later, married the next year, and then I gave birth to our daughter at the age of forty-three. So calling in the one was really created when I went back and I said, oh, my gosh, I pulled a rabbit out of a hat. I mean, how did I create that mm-hmm, miracle for mm-hmm. myself? What exactly did I do? And I be, and I duplicated it. And then I started working with people in my living room, and they would have extraordinary breakthroughs. And then I got a major book deal, having never written anything before, and it went to the national bestseller list within four months of publication. And since then, it has helped hundreds of thousands of people to transform their love lives and to create happy love in their future, no matter how dark and dismal their past has been. Mm. And it's gorgeous, isn't it? And we start to understand, and you know, that you were on a trajectory that was pretty much programmed unless you had done the go within and you had done that self-reflection. And, you know, a lot of people think it's really, um, at first it's really confronting work and it's hard work and it's painful work. But when we actually do it and we start unlocking that stuff that was in survival and we get it into creation, it's exhilarating. It's so exciting to go oh my gosh I can show up differently I can be really authentic I can ask for what I need I can have that value and respect and I can say no and stop living in that limited consciousness of oh you know maybe I've got to make this work and we get this confidence and I, you know, I'm sure that's how it really felt for you because I know it did for me when I unlocked all my love, painful stories and, you know, before I met, um, you know, my soul partner who's gorgeous. I was so confident at being able to show up differently. Like there was no fear anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think all these things we struggle with, you know, um around the narcissistic dynamic and I don't know if you use the word the the term co narcissist. I kind of like the co narcissist term because it it has its yeah. own distinctions, right? It has it has yeah. um the invisibility to it and the invisibility like I, I become invisible to myself. I get so disconnected from my own feelings and needs and maybe I don't yes. even think I'm supposed to have any needs. So much. And um Right, and so a lot of so so a lot of 
the transformation is to really begin to wake up to what it looks like to have happy, healthy, mutually empowering partnership and what that distinction is and to work backwards from there. So a lot of times we're working, we're trying to like, you know, work from the from the past forward and I like to also include working from the future backwards. Mm-hmm. Who would I need to be in order to create happy a happy, healthy love life? Who would I need to be? And I, and that kind of rigorous, bold intention. Like this shall be so. No matter mm, what I love I that past. Yeah. I love it. And taking a real stand for it. And then well, releasing is, those barriers and just, you know, yeah. popping forth into it in, in its, oh my gosh, it's, I, I love it. I call it expansion. I just, I love it. Love that expansion because, you know, it's so possible that, that true self that, but, you know, there's four specific keys that, you know, I love about your program that. And I want you to go through them. I would really love you to share what those four keys are because I think they're really integral to this process and I know how much, you know, they help me aligning with these four keys. Absolutely. They're the keys to release those inner obstacles. And, um, and, And the foundation of those keys is the willingness to begin to understand yourself as the source of your experience because that really is the precursor to awakening your power to graduate from that old dynamic, to be able to trust yourself, to choose wisely in the future and to navigate love in a way that you could actually realize the higher potentials of that relationship and it's going to keep your heart safe and happy and whole. And so... um, so the first one, so when, when, you're, when you're willing to see yourself as the source of your experience, the first thing you want to do then is to look at where you still feel victimized, where you are still holding a story where you're the victim and someone else did something egregious and horrible to you. And so it's living like a, a festering resentment because maybe they never apologized or fessed up or maybe the damage that was done is something you're kind of still trying to clean up and you're you're still dealing with. And so there's this festering resentment. So inside of an intention to create the miracle of love for yourself, you want to be free and clear of all resentments. You don't want to bring that resentment into your next relationship and torture your next partner by what's unfinished business from an old partner. And you really want to be also in complete ownership of how you yourself colluded in the dynamic. So even if it was like 97% the other person's fault, you really want to be interested in your 3%. Well, why is that? Well, because until you understand that 3% and make an amends to yourself fully for, for the ways that you threw yourself under the bus, disappeared your knowing, uh, made someone else's feelings and needs more important than your own, devalued yourself, overgave as a way to try and prove your value or to try and manipulate someone to love you or to stay or not leave. All of those, what I call kind of almost passive participation because they tend to be covert. I didn't speak up. I turned away from the red flags, those kinds of things. 
that 3%, if you can actually name it and see it and own it and then see how you can make an amends to yourself by promising yourself to do the exact opposite from now on, that's where you get to graduate and that's where you get to trust yourself to actually open your heart to love and be loved again and to create a different kind of experience. Because even that process of taking personal responsibility is one of the core skills that people in happy, healthy relationships have. The second key is to actually look at these deep agreements that we've made that I was sharing with you about my high school boyfriend, Frank, because the agreements that we made, even whether they're spoken out loud or they're actually just kind of, you know, vowed to in your heart, I'm never going to let anyone hurt me like that Mm. again, or the kind of misplaced loyalties that we sometimes have to our family of origin. I'm never going to love anyone more than I love you, Daddy, or, um, you know, my sister's the smart one and uh, or my sister's the beautiful one, and I'm, I'll just be the smart one. You know, those ways that we kind of dim ourselves down. They actually, we, we forget them. We actually forget them. They're, not, they're outside of conscious awareness. And, um, and, in, and what we do, though, is we begin to, like, they set a course. They set us on a course, and we begin to live out that story whether or not we remember them. A great example of this, Melody, is there was one woman who I met who had a very um, toxic relationship with her stepfather when she was growing up. He was completely inappropriate, and he started pursuing her when she was like 12 or 13. And he started trying to seduce her, and she was so terrified and so freaked out that she made a promise to him that if he would just leave her alone, um, that she would marry him uh, when she turned 25. Wow. And for some reason it worked, right? So it calmed him down, and he ended up divorcing the mother, and I met her when she was getting a divorce, and she was trying to figure out why in the world she had married a man that she didn't love when she was 24. And yes. that's when she remembered this promise. She would completely forgotten the promise, but as she came close to her 25th birthday, she started to get more and more anxious that he was going to come and find her it was outside of conscious awareness. She wasn't yeah. even a, it was just an anxiety in her. And that yeah. she had to get married now. And so the yeah. first man that asked her, she just said yes and quickly got oh, married. That makes total sense. Right? So that mm. so these agreements now that's a very drastic one. The 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 most of the agreements that we make are are not as, you know, dramatic as that. Mm. But they could be like an old one woman I met who had um been divorced for uh she'd been divorced for uh ten years and uh she had not had a date and all that time her former husband was already married with children <laughs> remarried with children she hadn't even had a date and when we when she did the calling in the one process she realized that it's because she was keeping her vow to God 
of fidelity to her husband. She gotten married. She was Catholic. She got married in a Catholic church. Yeah. Wow. So these, you know, so we so we mm. want to make these and they're emotional decisions. So often they're unconscious. They're just emotional decisions that we don't even know we've made until we go inside and start finding them. It's right. There can be so many. Yeah. So that's the second key to releasing mm. your inner baggage blocks and barriers. So important. And then third one is an interesting one that is more in, um, it's historic, but it's also in current time. And it has to do with the relational dynamics that are kind of habitual where we are chronically losing power. And they're they're kind of toxic dynamics. They're I call them toxic ties, and they're relationships with people um, that are kind of organized around fear, obligation, or guilt. Yeah. And so we we stay in the relationship because we we feel we have to, and we've trained ourselves to not tell the truth because if we tell the truth, the other person goes crazy, or there's some kind of punishment for it. Um, and so, you know, and and basically these relationships can be uh, covertly oppressive. They can be, um, they can be uh, critical relationships. They can be they, they 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 are diminishing or devaluing in some way. And very often they're with a family member, or maybe with a boss, somebody that you really can't not deal with. And and it might actually, you know, be someone that you even love a great deal. So, you know, you don't want to cut the relationships off necessarily. And, and, and we have to learn how to evolve the relationship so that we can stand fully in our power to, you know, really claim the the powerful self that we are because you can't want, the best possible empowered love to happen when you're in another relationship where you're deflated mm. and devalued and tolerating all sorts of abuse. Do you have and to I get just rid of wanna, abuse? I just, yeah, absolutely. I just want to say, Catherine, and to the listeners, this part of calling in the one was huge for me. With with such an aha, oh my gosh moment for me. And what I did in this part in the third key was I was so diligent about up-leveling relationships in my family, with my mother, with my father, with my brother. Because I really realized, and I used a lot of quantum freedom healing on it, and I actually even wrote the Transforming Family of Origin Wounds program through the inspiration for this because I just went, oh my gosh, I can see all these areas in my life where I am so limited through fear of punishment, abandonment, criticism, rejection, that I'm not showing up. I'm not being honest. I'm not asking for what I need. I'm not laying boundaries. And I re- and I realized that this was just in massive, um, like this was massively highlighted in my narcissistic love relationships. And I had to clean it up if I was going to have a healthy, mature love relationship. And the upside of all of this is my mother now in her 80s at 83, through this work, 
we had the most beautiful up level where we were always um, so disconnected. She's now my greatest fan. I love her to be. Isn't that lovely? I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, and it was so through the inspiration I got through your work, Catherine, to do that. So I want to thank you so much because it was oh instrumental God. in that for me. It was so big. So, yeah. And I love this third key because if we don't clean up our really important fundamental relationships, you know, we're not going to have that sort of honesty and maturity and authenticity in a love relationship. Mm-hmm. It's so true, and I I think that, you know, um, many of us have been feeling just so at a loss about how to do that or if it's even possible to do that, and it's actually very possible. And, um, and oh, you know, gosh, calling it in one work, I, we really go into it deeply. So that's very important to be able to transform your relational field so that you are empowered in all of your relationships and then the fourth key, I think in many ways, Melanie, is is the most um, critical to being able to really transform our experience. And it has to do with the core beliefs that we're holding on the level of identity. Mm. The very self-sense that we have. So true. And many of us. Right, so so because it's very hard to create things that's outside your identity to have. Yeah, well, you can't. Well, you really can't because even if you manage to create it, you, if if you stay in that identity, you're going to sabotage it. Absolutely, you're not going to hold it. So, or it's just going to fall yeah. apart on you, even from the outside, and you go, "Oh my gosh, how did that happen again?" Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's when it looks like it's happening to you, right? Correct. You don't even see exactly. So, so how to even connect with that? I think a lot of us are kind of tap dancing around it, and I think that sometimes we're most most people here listening to you have done a lot of work on themselves. They're Absolutely. doing a lot of work on themselves. So we understand that we have these issues, like you know, low self esteem or codependence or love addiction. Um, but understanding kind of on the broad strokes of things is not quite enough to get to the core of it. And I think that because of that, we we continue to repeat things that upset us and we we feel kind of victimized in some way by our own wounds and our own consciousness that we keep doing these things over and over again. So in in the fourth key, what we really do is go in and we look at your core love identity, that core sense of self that was created when you were very, very young, sometimes before you even had language. You were in the crib. You were in the womb. And it's a, and it's a sense of self that was created inside of what was happening in the relational field with your primary caregiver, your mother or your father. And so if they were ignoring you, it's a core sense of self like I am alone, or mm. if they were uh, critical and punitive, um, it's a core sense of self, like I am not good enough, or if they were, um, and, and it doesn't have to be your mother or your father, it could have been an older sibling, it could have been you know, some other caregiver that was important to you, 
if you were reprimanded constantly, you had a very angry mother, you might have a core sense of self of I am bad. So 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 these core sense of self then what happens is that inside of that that self sense we adapt ways of showing up and relating that literally generate more of the same. And it happens outside conscious awareness. So then what happens is we gather evidence that the story is true. And so, for example, if you have a, a deep, you know, you were neglected, so you have a deep I am alone or uh, conversation, I'm I'm all alone in life, you then adapt a way of being incredibly self-sufficient. Or you then learn to not ever really express your feelings and needs to other people or be vulnerable. Um, Or you isolate when you are upset. So there's ways of relating that literally create more of the same. And so, so we're always, you know, we're always creating life through the lens of our own consciousness. And part of the I am alone also is, um, is a, is an experience of um, or an assumption that other people will always leave you because, of course, you're alone. So even when you're having relationships, you're always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You've got your bags packed at the door. You're kind of not all in because you're you're just waiting for the rejection. So maybe you'll do the preemptive strike of rejecting first. That's what happened to one of my clients. This was this woman. Um, who was dating this guy that she really, really liked a lot. And things were kind of heating up between them. And every time they get together, you know, it's better and better and better. And then suddenly he disappeared. And um, for, you know, no text, no call, no email, no nothing for one day, two days, three days, four days. And she, of course, had a father who left when she was young. And so inside of that, I am alone and men always leave. She just assumed that that was the end. It was gone. It was done. And so, you know, to spare herself the suffering or the indignation of him rejecting her just because she couldn't stand the tension anymore of waiting for him to call, she just texted him and she said, I've met somebody else and I don't want to see you anymore. It was a complete lie, you know, but that's Mm. what she did to protect herself. And it wasn't until I think a year or two later that they ran into each other at a nightclub and they chatted and it turned out that he had actually taken some time to end all of his other little mini love affairs. He had a bunch of women in his life and he was one by one bringing them to closure because he wanted to be exclusive with her. He was going to ask her to be exclusive and he had to just get his life in order to do that. Right, so that's how we create our own misery is things like that. So she was, of course, devastated, but you know she has since moved on from that belief system. You just have to see it clearly because you have to understand how it's happening through you. And the more important thing um, is to wake up to the truth about you, which is, you know, you you might have been neglected as a child, but you didn't come here to be alone, and you have the capacity to form beautiful, happy, healthy relationships, and um, to uh, that, that you were born for love. You know, that's really the truth. 
you start to wake yourself up out of the crazy trance from childhood and you see what's really true. And then you start to look at the new ways that you need to show up to create a different story. And now you're able to create love from outside of that old story and actually weave a new, happier, healthier narrative into existence. So those are those four keys. Yeah. I love all of that. And it is it is so powerful. And and Catherine, for you, when you got out of that old trajectory and then into the relationship with Mark, how was it different? How did soulmate relationship go differently for you? Well, you know, I have to disclose that Mark and I were married for ten years and we then we, we got unmarried and actually that's the basis for conscious uncoupling. But even now and always, my relationship with Mark has been quite beautiful. I have an amazing relationship with him, and we're such good friends. And we just um, we looked at we we made the decision to uh, unmarry because um, we both changed. I actually changed so much in terms of my life purpose and where I wanted my focus to be and what I felt called to. And uh, he wasn't really lit up about it or on board with it, and it was hard for him and so I just released him from it and it's actually been a very good decision in hindsight because he has since gone on to become a Buddhist teacher himself. He's quite wonderful. Wow. Um and that yeah, and that blossoming happened after I released him from, you know, needing to, you know, deal with I don't know, my life and how big it was becoming and it just, you know, it, so we, everything that happens though with with Mark has been so deeply in integrity. It's it's a very beautiful relationship, but but how the just but to answer your question, um, I felt truly supported in a way that I never had before. I felt that I could, um, I was deeply safe with this person. Um, I was I was incredibly uh, respected and honored. Um, it was just a really safe, magical field of kindness and love that was in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was able in many ways to, you know, I didn't write Calling in the One until I was married. I actually think that we really need healthy relationships to become who we came here to be. And that, you know, much of our frustration in being in these toxic relationships is that we're not blossoming oh and gosh not, no no right we're we're not giving no. our gifts to the world we're not becoming the women and the men that we were born to be oh so true so it's critical for us to have these healthy and happy relationships um with each other and i mean mm. i think you know marrying mark changed my life so much because it it gave me the foundation that I'd been missing in my childhood to begin to actualize my gifts into the world and um and he mm. really he he really has been quite a uh, a beautiful influence on my life and it's funny because um you know when I first met Mark I always was aware that you know I I, I always felt like he was a really great great soul and um and it's really been uh it it it's very moving to me that who he has been in my life uh when we got into our marriage and then even when we decided to end our marriage has has both actually fed power to me because even in the ending of our 
marriage, um, which I which I really chose. We both chose it together, but I really chose. Um, we just we, it's been a, an empowering experience. So I don't know if that that qualifies as a soulmate, mm-hmm. but I think that, I think that soulmates really come in to fulfill to help us realize the potentials that we hold for creativity and for contribution, and they help us to get to the next level. I agree. Right, and I think that there's all, and I think that this is an important distinction, that we can meet the right person, but if we are unhealed, if we are still carrying around our old baggage, we will create a relationship that is much less than what it could be, and we might even create a toxic dynamic with that person. And so it's very important. Calling in the one also prepares us because we learn relationship skills that will actually allow us to fulfill upon the potentials that a relationship does hold for true happiness and true I agree. Yeah. I agree totally. And I know through the calling in the one processes and awarenesses, I really discovered that I had an inner identity which went like, I can't be in a love relationship and be myself at the same time. I can actually only be free to be me if I don't have a man in my life. So what always happened, it was just such this double bind because I wanted relationship, but then I'd get in relationship and then I would feel and I would generate, I've got to dim down, I can't threaten him. He needs to feel like the bigger one in the relationship. So I would be um, covertly colluding to handing over power and it it seemed and it was in the narcissistic, the people that were, you know, diminishing and they were threatened and they were jealous and they were, you know, they matched that inner identity and we did it all together. And it's just such a beautiful freedom now that I'm just so up-leveled and all of those beliefs got dealt with and healed that the partner I have now is so supportive and such a barricker. And, you know, I tell him about the beautiful things that are happening and he's nearly in tears of being so proud for me and so supportive and just, you know, and it's just so genuine. There's none of those rough itches or that walking on broken glass or that anxiety and and sometimes I've thought, I've looked at him and said, really? And he's gone, uh, yeah. This <laughs> And his words to me are, Melanie, this is normal. This is actually normal. You're right. This is, you know, and he goes, and I keep saying to him, oh, my gosh, you're so good. This is so great. And he goes, and he says, really? Because he says, don't you realize this is actually normal? <laughs> Oh, that's so adorable. Yeah. It is. It's it's gorgeous, you know. And and what I really loved about Calling in the One, for me, it was because I'd done, you know, through all the the NARP processes, I'd done so much of the clearing of my abuse programs. And then it was like, you know what, I really... um, And I thought I was there. I thought I was there. And then I did the second narcissistic relationship, which just really highlighted to me wonderfully, beautifully, there's more to go because that was Mm -hmm. a a huge topple again. And I'm like, 
no, you haven't cleared up the abandonment programs. You haven't cleared up the the issues you've got at a deep subconscious level. Well, can I level. say something Man. about that, though? Can I say something sure. about that? I think there's only so much work that we can do within ourselves, and then it's like it has to happen on the court of life. Correct. Right. That the, that the real graduation is the moment you say, "Oh, I see what's happening, and I'm not going to choose totally. this again." And it's hard, and it's scary, and it's upsetting, but it's graduation day. That's <laughs> how so I see it. When we duplicate those patterns again, it's the opportunity to graduate. And it is always, yeah, it is that gift and opportunity to go, oh, okay, yeah. okay, next step. And that's really when I connected to calling in the one and then, you know, combined um, a lot of what I do with, with those processes and that awareness to really zero in on that love identity knowing that's what I love about your program is it just gives you that real okay let's stand and say I deserve true love I deserve wholesome love and big love and now what do I need to do to really align with that and generate it and it for, for it to become and that's just so what you know that's why I've got you on the show because that's what calling you the one did for me it really did beautiful it is beautiful it is beautiful i love those four keys because um they're just you know so aligned with the philosophies and and it's um you know it's been amazing to you know be able to uh step into you know mission and helping people with you and and Catherine, i guess you're not calling in the one it's not just for women is it no, it's not. It's We do have men in the program, and it's also not just about finding a man, because I know that some women want to find the right woman, and some men want to find the right men. So, yeah. you, know, it's, it's, you know, I try and be very inclusive, and I think sometimes in the love space we can be a little remiss on that. And I've been talking to my friend Ken Page, who's a dating coach. He wrote the book Deeper Dating, and uh, he's wonderful, and he's an out gay man. And so we've been talking together about how can we bring more inclusivity to the community. So I'm yeah, sure. It's for it's for anyone who really is willing to, you know, up the bar and take a stand for love in their life, and take a stand that they are not going to live a loveless life because of this either or thing that you were just mentioning. Either I get to have love, uh, be in a relationship and have love, or I get to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and calling in the one is about option C, which is oh, I could have a different kind of relationship that's actually fulfilling mm-hmm. and healthy and happy, and so um, and still retain ourselves and still expand. Yeah, you know, I I, yeah. I love, that's what I'm discovering. I have got more freedom, more expression, more joy, more ability to be myself in this relationship than I even did when I was alone and expanded. Wow, that's beautiful. We can that's have so it exciting. all. Yeah. And and you know, I think it's I think this whole thing about taking back your power after narcissistic abuse, it's kind of like taking back your power after a lifetime of settling for less. And mm. after a lifetime of patterns in love that are disappointing and painful. And recognizing that we really do have the power to create the future different from the past. And it will require something of us 
It requires yes. that we lean in and are interested in what we need to develop and grow within ourselves and uh, what we need to let go of. I mean, you know, but it's a pretty thrilling journey. And uh, that's really, I think, what we're both really supporting people to do. Absolutely. And there are many people in this community that, like yourself, came from, um, you know, deeply painful narcissistic childhoods and experiences where, you know, they have felt victimized and they felt like, well, I've never had the skills. I've never been able to set boundaries. I don't even know what a healthy relationship looks like. And, you know, I've met people in this community at age 60 and 70 have broken through. And, you know, we all can. It doesn't matter what we've come from or what we've experienced or even what we've lost. We have the ability to um, transform and access that power and create things we never dreamt of. And I'm living it. And I know, you know, Catherine, that you've been living it for a long time. And um, it's available for all of us, no matter what we think. Mm-hmm. Yes, yay. So mm. I think this is just, I'm so glad to be with everybody and I'm so glad to bring this positive message to everyone. And I really do believe in my heart that love is for all of us and uh, that we all have the power to awaken out of those old patterns and to begin to create something that, would really be reflective of the truth of our value and our worthiness to love and be loved. And that's what I would hope for every single person who's listening right now. I think that's just, yeah, it's beautiful. So, you know, everybody, Catherine is holding a really special global event and you can join in in that. And I really invite you to, um, just as I did, so that you can learn all about how to clear the blocks that have been separating you from the love that you deserve and you desire and so that you can really align with being the person that you need to be you know when we mate our own when we mate our own soul that's when our soulmate appears and we can experience true love and that's what you have the opportunity to experience in um Catherine's global event, the aligning with that, and her support team and the people that you get connected with to uh, co-generate this experience is second to none. It's just um, a beautiful forum and support team that Catherine has, and you will find all of the details of how to link up to this global event. Uh, on this radio show and on the blog and on emails that we'll be sending to you. So you are not going to miss it. uh, Really? Yes, come be with me. And we're going to move deeper into these distinctions. And I have some others. And uh, I'm excited to have you all there. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, I'm excited that, uh, you know, people in this community are going to get a next step forward. Uh, towards true love. I'm really excited about that. So, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. You are so welcome, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon and uh, supporting your work as well. I love your work. Thank you, Catherine. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.